Turn with me tonight, book of 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. We'll appreciate tonight with, with the Lord's help on, a, on the subject of why Satan hates us. You understand tonight we have an adversary, correct? Most of us, we run with him a lot far longer than we run with the Lord. Amen. Most of us in here, we know him better than we know the Lord. Amen. That's a shame to say, but that's the truth. We know all about Satan, and we know all about his ways, because we run with him far longer than we've run with God. I'm thankful when the Lord saved me, I'm thankful he put me on a new path. I'm glad he showed me a new way. Amen. First Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8. We're going to read this verse, and then we'll go some other places with the Lord's leadership. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity and privilege, God, to be in your house. We thank you for this time, God, that you've given us. We thank you tonight, Lord, for your help. God, we thank you, Lord, for your comfort, God, the peace, God, that you give. We thank you, God, for all that you're able to do. God, we're thankful, Lord, tonight, God, to know, Father, Lord, that we've got one that sits on high and looks down low, God, upon us. And, Father, we pray tonight, God, that you'd help us for just a few minutes. God, hide us behind the cross. God, I pray you'd, God, touch each one, God, in this building. I pray, Father, you'd feed us, God, with that heavenly manna, God, tonight. I pray you give us strength, God, for our soul. God, I pray you'd, God, give us something out of the Word of God tonight that would help us, God, encourage us, God, keep us pressing on. God, keep us, Lord, fired up, God, ready to go, God, for the cause of the gospel. I pray tonight, God, that you'd hide me, God, behind the cross. God, these folks don't see me, but, God, they see you. Father, I ask you tonight, God, to touch my voice, God, to touch, God, my physical body. But, God, I pray most of all, God, tonight for your anointing, God, that you'd touch us and help us. And, Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We find in this very familiar verse of Scripture tonight, we find Paul is, or Peter is exhorting, and he says, Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And we find out some, some very important facts inside of that one verse of Scripture. And as I give you the thought and the title of what we want to preach on tonight of why Satan hates us, we find in this verse of Scripture, we find, number one, that we have an adversary, and that is the devil. Amen. That's pretty simple tonight that our enemy and our adversary is the devil, amen. And we've said many times, and I make this statement many times, that our enemy is not each other. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. Your enemy is not your children. Your enemy is not your church. Your enemy is not your pastor. But your enemy and your adversary is the devil, amen. And why is he your adversary? Because he don't like you, amen. Satan does not like you. He does not like this church. He does not like your family. He does not like your children. And I don't like using that word hate, but I'm going to go ahead and say, amen, that Satan hates you. Amen. I don't believe it's right for us Christians to go around talking about hating each other or hating anybody or hating any group of people. Amen. I believe when God saved us, I believe God saved us to love one another. Amen. But it's, I believe it's right tonight for us to be able to say that Satan hates us. Amen. There's absolutely nothing about us that he likes. There's nothing about what we do that he likes. So you may ask that question, and, and many times we've probably asked this question. It's run through our mind. Just exactly why does Satan hate us so bad? We find there in that scripture, the Bible says that he's as a roaring lion. 
walking about seeking whom he may devour. If you go over there in the book of Job, you'll find that the Bible says that the sons of God met and Satan was present. And the Lord asked Satan, he said, where have you been? And he said, I've been going to and fro, up and down the earth. Amen. What was he doing? He was seeking somebody that he might devour. He was seeking a foothold in somebody's life. He was looking for somebody that was weak. He was looking for somebody that he could tear up and steal, kill, and destroy what they had. He was looking for somebody and somewhere that he could wreak havoc on their life and that he could cause them to be most miserable. Why? Because he hates us. He hates lost people. He hates saved people. He hates humanity as a whole, amen? He does not differ between saved or between lost. Satan just simply hates people and humanity as a whole. You say, preacher, why does Satan hate us? Well, if you go back in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, you'll find the Bible says that God hath made us in His own image, amen? And if you go over there in the Scripture in the Old Testament and you find where Satan fell from heaven, you'll find that Satan wanted to exalt himself up above the throne of God. And I've preached on that some here before. And Satan wanted to exalt himself up to the place and to be above God. He was jealous of what God was doing. He was jealous of God's position. And he said, I will, I will, I will. And he made those I will statements. And iniquity was found in his heart. And the Bible says that he was created perfect in his creation. God created Satan just like he created Adam. He created him perfect. Amen. Adam was created as a perfect man. Satan was created uh, created as a perfect cherubim, uh, as the cherubim that covereth. Uh, amen. But iniquity was found inside of his heart. Uh, and my friend, God cast him out of heaven. Uh, you read over there in the book of Revelation, chapter number 17. Uh, you read about Michael fighting with, the, with his angels and with the angels of Satan. Uh, and you find there was a great war that took place in heaven. Uh, and you find that Satan was cast out. Uh, and Jesus referenced to that statement over there when he was talking to the 70 that had went out. And he said, I beheld Satan as he fell from heaven like lightning. And Satan was cast out of heaven. So preacher, why does Satan hate us so much? Number one, Satan hates us so much just simply because God in Genesis 1 and 26 made us in his own image and he made us in his own likeness. So when Satan sees us, he sees a resemblance of God and he hates God. Amen. Satan hates us because God made us uh, in the likeness of his image. Uh, and Satan hates us just simply because he hates God. Amen. Satan looks at us and he don't see Austin Frady or he don't see Kyle Eifert or Randy Bryson. Uh, he don't see this as a personal thing. Uh, but he sees us as the enemy. Uh, and many times our soldiers go into war uh, and they go into the battlefield. Uh, and I think many times about what it would be like uh, to be standing there facing other human beings uh, and knowing that it was either you or them and I cannot even imagine being standing there and facing that position but the fact of the matter is when you go into war it's nothing personal between you and the other people but friend it's the fact that your two countries are fighting it's the fact that you're not fighting personally but you're fighting for one cause amen and that's the way it is when Satan looks at us Satan don't see us as individuals as a, as a personal thing but my friend when he looks at us. He sees the image of God. He sees a resemblance of God. And that's why he hates us. Because God has made us in his own image. Satan don't like us. Because every time he looks at us, he sees, friends, something that he's seen in God. Satan hates us. And Satan, not only does he hate us, but Satan hates our church. 
Satan hates old Savannah about I know this ain't exactly popular preaching. I believe it's needed tonight. It's just a little bit different, amen. But this ain't exactly shouting ground, hallelujah ground, but I believe it'll be all right tonight. Sometimes we need to remember who our adversary is. We need to know a little bit about him. Amen. Or, we, or we'll find ourselves and he'll be overtaking our life. You see, the Bible said that he wanted to devour us. Amen. You realize that you can very easily be devoured before you even know it. A church can be devoured before it even knows what's taking place. I can imagine over there that day as Jonah was cast out of the boat and he was cast into the into the sea and that great fish that the Lord had made, it came up and it overtook Jonah and it basically, that's the definition of devour, what that fish done to Jonah, amen. That's what Satan wants to do to us. He wants to overtake us and captivate us and devour our lives. I can imagine Jonah as he hit the water and that fish began to devour him. Friend, it happened before he ever knew what was happening. Amen. When Satan comes in our lives, when he attacks our church, when he attacks our family, and when he attacks us personally, friend, many times it happens before we ever know what's taking place. That's why we need to know about our enemy, amen, and our adversary. Satan hates our church. Why does he hate our church? Because our church is a picture of and any church that's a God-given church, amen, a Bible-believing church that's following the Word of God is a picture of what God has ordained for this day and for this hour. Amen. God ordained the church and God ordained the local church. And I've said this before, but everything God does, He works through and by the local church. Amen. God don't just bring people up out here and over yonder to do His work. No, sir. God started with the local church in the book of Acts. And God's been working through the local church ever since. God sends His missionaries. God sends His evangelists. God uses His singers. They all go through the local church. When somebody gets saved by the grace of God, it's important that they get rooted and grounded and founded in the gospel and in the word of God. And that's why God instituted the local church, that they might get rooted and grounded and founded. But Satan hates the church because he knows that when we gather together and he knows the scripture says where two or three agree on any one thing and if it be bound down here that it would be bound over there. The Bible says plainly that Satan knows the scripture and the devils know the scripture and the Bible says that they tremble at it. Now Satan don't know everything that you know. Amen. He don't know the spiritual insight that you have. If you're here tonight saved by the grace of God, he don't know that peace and joy inside of your heart. He don't know what it's like for God to wrap his arms around him and comfort him and love on him. That's something you know about that Satan don't know about. But still yet Satan knows the scripture and he knows what it says but he don't have the spiritual discernment that you and I have through and by the Holy Ghost. Amen. But Satan reads that and he's got enough sense to know that if two or three gather together in the name of the Lord and he knows when we get in this hall and we begin to cry out he knows when we begin to seek God's face for revival he knows when, friend when we get right with God. He knows when people start coming to the altar and people start pouring their heart out before God. He knows there's something going on in the church that he cannot stop. And I say tonight Satan hates what God does. And Satan hates the church. That's why every day that we live we contend with that rascal. That's why every single moment of our life nearly it seems like we're fighting a battle. We're struggling with a struggle against something that we cannot even explain. The Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers. Friend, that's why 
Satan hates us. Uh, Satan hates what God does uh, through the local church. Satan hates the fact that we come together and he hates the fact that there's unity in numbers. When we come together, we lift each other up. He knows what happened over there when they, when the children of Israel were delivered out of bondage and they stood there that day in the wilderness and they began to fight that great battle and Moses stood there and God told him to hold up his arm, hold that staff up. Amen. As long as his arms was held up high, friend, the Israelites prevailed in battle. Satan took notice, friend, when his arms would begin to fall and they would begin to overtake the Israelites but Aaron and those and his sons went and they stayed Moses' arms the Bible says Satan took notice when they were somebody helping Moses that there was nothing could come against those Israelites you see Satan's taking notice that when God instituted the local church that we've got each other here together to stay each other's arms and when we see one of our brethren weak in the faith it's our job to hold them up and Satan knows that if he can get between us and if he can divide us, if he can get us, friend, the division between us and among us, he knows there'll be a time that our arms get weak. He knows there'll be a time, friend, that we can't do it alone. And he knows if we're there all alone, there's nobody to help us, that he can prevail in our life. Satan don't like us being together because he knows when we get together, things happen. You ever notice in the church when everybody gets together like they was over in the book of Acts in one mind, one accord? That's when things happen, amen? When everybody gets on the same page and everybody gets the same want-tos, amen? Ain't it amazing the crowd of this size, the crowd of this people, that we can all come together and have the same want-tos every now and then? I mean, me and my wife, we drive down the road sometimes and we can't even figure out where we want to eat at or agree on where we want to eat at. I mean, you get me and my mom, me and my wife, my mom and dad, and two kids together. Hey, man, it's hard to agree on a restaurant to eat at, ain't it? Hey, man, the youngin wants to eat at Chinese. Hey, man, I'm about to throw up in my mouth because I've eaten Chinese and I'm sick of it. Hey, man, anybody know what I'm talking about? Praise God, we can't even agree on what we want to eat, but we can come together in God's house, amen, and we can agree that we want to see people get saved by the grace of God. We can agree that we're willing to lay down things in our life. We're willing to get rid of sin and give it to God. We're willing to sacrifice our time and sacrifice whatever it takes to see God move. Ain't it amazing when God's people that are sealed with the Spirit of God, you see the Spirit of God's the only thing that can bring unity to God's people, amen. Ain't it amazing and we can come together and we can agree on some things and we see God do amazing things when we agree on it. It's amazing how God works when we agree on these things. Satan knows that. That's why he hates our church. Satan hates this church because this church is a picture. It's a picture of how much God loves us. This church is a picture of how much God cares for us. Amen? Satan not only hates our church, but Satan also hates your home. He hates your marriage. Amen? Satan hates marriage. In, in days gone by, in years gone by, this wasn't preaching that necessarily needed to be preached. But in this day and in this hour, might I say that preaching on marriage is something we need. Amen? I mean, it's something because Satan has come out with full-blown attack on marriage. Why does Satan hate marriage so bad, preacher? Satan hates marriage because it's a picture of Christ and His church. And when Satan sees a picture of Christ and His church, hey, Satan gets sick to his stomach. Satan hates that picture. 
You see, the Bible says that the husband is the head of the house. Amen. Ephesians chapter number 5. I can't quote every verse of it, but you know what I'm talking about. And he's the head of the head, head of the of the wife. As Christ is the head of the church. Amen. And husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And the wife is subject unto the husband as the church is subject unto Christ. Ladies, don't get mad at me. That's the word of God. I can't change it and you can't either. Amen. So we might as well just get in and say, yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to preach. Amen. Satan hates that. Satan hates that kind of preaching because Satan hates marriage. Do you realize that a marriage that is biblical, according to Ephesians chapter number 5, do you realize that a marriage that is biblical is a picture and it brings glory and honor unto God because it's a picture of Christ and His church and how the church ought to operate being subject unto Christ. You know how we've got from being in that Philadelphian church age over there in Revelation chapter 3 to transitioning in that Laodicean church age? We've got to that place because we don't want to become subject under the head. Amen? The church don't want to listen to what God's got. We've been so blessed here in America. We've been blessed beyond measure. Probably everybody in here, you've got at least a dollar or two in your pocket. You wouldn't tell me that, amen, even if you did. If I said how much money you got, you'd say I'm broke, amen, and you'd lie to the preacher, amen. But the truth of the matter is you've got more than you deserve tonight, amen. You're driving a car better than what you deserve. You're living in a home better than you deserve. Your bed is softer than what you deserve. God has been far better to us uh, than what we ever deserve. Uh, and we've got to the place where we say we're rich and increased with goods uh, and we have need of nothing. Uh, it's time that we got back to the place that we realize that Christ is the head and the church is subject unto him and we just got to go where he says and do what he says to do and friend that will bring glory and honor unto his precious name are you still with me tonight amen Satan hates marriage because it's a picture of Christ in his church it's a picture of how it ought to work and Satan hates it when, when a marriage is bringing glory and honor to God's name Satan wants to tear you apart from your wife. Satan wants you to tear, tear you apart from your husband. Amen. Because in doing that, he's spitting in the face of God. It's not really anything personal against you. It's not really anything personal against your family. But Satan is spitting in the face of God, saying, Ha ha, God, look what I got done. That's what Satan, that's why Satan hates you. That's why he hates his church. That's why he hates your family. Amen. Friend, you know what? When, you, when your marriage is going good, you're looking in the face of Satan saying, Ha ha, Satan. You ain't got me. Amen? You're fighting against the against Satan. We don't think about that a lot of times. But we're bringing glory and honor under the name of Jesus when we subject ourselves and we just line up according to God's Word. Amen? We bring glory and honor under the name of Jesus just by lining up according to the Word of God. That's where I want to be. I want to bring glory and honor unto His name in every way possible. I want to bring glory and honor unto His name from the time I get up in the morning to the time I go to bed at night. I, I realize that as, as a mortal man, as a human being, I realize that many times I fail at doing that. I, but I realize tonight, uh, uh, my friend, that God said He'd not put more on me than I could bear uh, and that He would be faithful unto me uh, in the days of temptation. I, I'm glad tonight, friend, that even though Satan may tempt our marriages, uh, he may tempt our church, uh, I'm glad that we have got one that will be faithful unto us. 
not to put more on us than we're able to bear. But we'll always make a way of escape for us. Friend, if you want to get out of sin, I'm glad to report that God has made a way out. If our young people don't want to run with a sinful crowd at high school, honey, they don't have to. Amen. The only reason they're going to run with them is because they want to. Amen. You've never done anything you didn't want to do. We do things because we want to do them and because we allow ourselves to do them. Many times in ourselves we don't want to do them, but we allow ourselves to do them because we're afraid to make somebody mad. We're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. Or we're afraid that our feelings will get hurt. That's a big one. We're afraid somebody's going to make fun of us. Now, in this crowd tonight, our young people's back there, this crowd ought to be over there. But I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we ain't. Amen. I'd say from the oldest to the youngest sitting in this auditorium tonight in, in, inside this sanctuary, I'd say from the oldest to the youngest, you don't want your feelings hurt. You don't want nobody making fun of you. But you know what? Sometimes we just have to, just have to muscle up. We have to man up or woman up and realize that it don't matter what they think about us. It don't matter what the, whatever, what this what everybody says about this church. It don't matter what they say about your life. It, it don't matter what they say about your testimony. If you're right in the sight of God, that ought to be enough for you to say hallelujah. Amen. That ought to be enough for you to say thank God and praise God. They may call us holy rollers. Amen. Down through the, the year, through the short period of time I've been in church through the years, the church that I went to and the church places I've been and even myself included, I've heard all kinds of things. Amen. Church I used to go to, Wilmot, we was known as the Holy Rollers down there. Amen. I'd say they've called this church that time or two. Amen. Holy Rollers. They'll shout every time they come through the door. Amen. Praise God. I got something to shout about. Amen. If they just knew what we were shouting about, huh, they'd be in there shouting with us. Amen. Hey, praise be unto God. They can call us whatever they want to. Amen. We are what we are by the grace of God. Amen. Satan don't like it, but I don't care. Because God saved me by His amazing grace. Amen. And I'm just glad to be who I am. Satan don't like us. I've got to get on with the message. Amen. It's pretty good in here tonight whether you know it or not. Amen. Satan don't like us because we are a product of God's grace. From the very first time over there in the Garden of Eden that, that mankind sinned, this very first Genesis chapter number 3, it's a picture that you find all through your Bible. And if you want to understand your Bible, if you can ever understand Genesis chapter number 3, and you can comprehend and you can get some of those great concepts that took place there in Genesis chapter number 3, amen, you find that that same thing that happened right there in that third chapter in our Bible, it carries all the way through the Word of God. And things that God done right then and there and things that mankind done right then and there, it's a theme that carries all the way through your Bible, amen. There's a principle that they call the first mention principle in the Word of God, a principle for understanding your Bible, amen, and interpreting correctly, amen, and you re read about that first mention principle, that first time something's mentioned in your Bible, it carries a theme all the way through your Bible. Genesis chapter number 3, there's some things mentioned for the first time that carry all the way through. Mankind sinned, but God provided. Mankind messed up. God's grace was present. Amen. Bible didn't call it God's grace in Genesis chapter 3, but that's exactly what it was. When Adam and Eve sinned, they put, put on that fig leaf, and I call that fig leaf religion. Amen. 
That's what we do in our religion. We try to cover up our shame, cover up our sin, cover up the wrongdoings that we've got. But God stepped in and by His grace, He provided for them a lamb. He provided for them blood. He provided for them a covering. That was God's mercy. That was God's grace. You see, God had told Adam that in the very day that he sinned that he would surely die. Now God uh, fulfilled that promise and God done exactly what he said because the Bible says one day is the Lord of the thousand years. Amen. Adam didn't live to be a thousand years old. So in that day, according to God, he died. But God could have justifiably killed him right then and there. God could have smote him dead right then and there. But God's grace stepped in. Oh, when God stepped in that day, no doubt when, when, when Eve sinned, when she took of that fruit, and when Adam took, now uh, get, get a picture of this, and maybe I'll preach on this sometime a little more elaborately, but Adam sinned willfully. Eve was deceived. That's Scripture. That's Bible. I'll preach that. To hold on to that thought. We'll preach that sometime or another for you. Amen. Adam sinned willfully. Willful picture of somebody sinned. Eve was deceived. That serpent came in subtly and deceived her. Amen. Adam took of that fruit willfully. Amen. There's, oh man, that's good preaching right there. Wish I had time to preach that tonight, but I don't. Amen. I've got to go on. Amen. Tonight, you get over there and you find that when they done that, amen, and God stepped in, God provided that lamb. Satan was standing back the whole time. Satan was laughing in the face of God, saying, look what you created. You created Adam perfect, and he is just like I am. He ain't no different than I am, God. Yeah. Satan was standing back laughing at what had just taken place and all of a sudden God steps in by grace. Says, you know what, Satan? I'm going to cover them. I'm going to provide for them. Yeah. I'm going to make a way for them. Uh-huh. Down through time, God's done that very same thing time and time again. Amen. Satan thought he would step in the midst of mankind and humanity. In the days of Noah, the Bible says that every imagination of man's thought was evil continually. Satan was standing back and he was life and he thought he had it all under control. He thought he had got the whole crowd to turn against God. But God looked down and he found Noah and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says Noah was righteous but it don't say he was perfect, amen. Noah deserved to die with the rest of them, but he found grace for some reason or another in the eyes of the Lord. Grace still is today, and it was in that day, an unmerited favor of God, something that mankind has never deserved nor never never will deserve but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and as Noah began to build that ark and when the flood came Noah was safe and secure on the inside of that ark and Satan thought he had it all under control but little did he know that God had provided grace in that day and that hour Satan hates us because we're a product of grace as we live today and as we look around this congregation tonight if you were to go around this room tonight if we were to begin to name our sins, honey, we wouldn't ever look at each other the same again. That's right. Amen. That's right. If we were to begin to tell everything that we've ever done, we wouldn't be able to look, you wouldn't be able to look back from the choir on this congregation without thoughts running through your mind. But you know what? That's under the blood. Amen. We're a product of grace. Amen. Amen. We ain't what we used to. I like that song, It's Under the Blood. We're not what we used to be. 
It's been covered, been washed, been cleansed. I, God don't remember who I used to be. All he's looking at is who I am tonight. Amen. God's looking at who I am now and who I will be in the future. I'm glad those things that's been put under the blood, God don't remember them anymore. I, hey, Satan made to bring them up. I, they may be scars in our flesh tonight, but God does not remember those things. We're a product of grace. Satan hates us. Because grace was bestowed upon us. And in this message, I hope you're seeing this picture that Satan hates us. And the reasons that Satan hates us, it becomes the same reasons that God loves us. God loves us because He created us in His image. God loves us because He's poured out grace upon grace upon grace. God loves us for His Son's sake many times. For the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, God loves us. Satan hates us. We'll give you two more reasons and we'll go home. Satan hates us because he knows that his days are short. He knows his end is soon. Revelation chapter number 21, the Bible says there's a great angel and he stands there with the key of the bottomless field and a great chain in his hand and he takes that old serpent, the devil, and he binds him up and casts him into, into the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. After that, he's loose for a little season but then you find over there the very end of Satan comes. He's loose for a little season, thinks he's going to have one last hoorah, but you know what? God steps in the midst. He comes down before the throne of God, confesses the Lord Jesus Christ. He's bound hand and foot, cast into a lake of fire and brimstone for all of eternity. You see, I told you Satan's read the Scripture. Satan knows what the Word of God says. And Satan knows that God don't lie. He knows that what the Scripture says is true. And he thinks he's going to beat him. He thinks he's going to come out victorious. But still yet he trembles at the fact in knowing that his days are numbered. He's doing everything he can do in this day and in this hour. He knows the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour. He knows the scripture says watch, be you ready. He knows the Bible speaks about the watchman of the house that if he knew in what hour the thief was coming that he would stay and he would watch and he would, he would stay awake and he'd do everything he could to prevent that thief from coming. Satan knows what the scripture said. Now Satan don't know the day, he don't know the time, he don't know the hour, but he's got more sense than most of us have. He looks about at the signs of things that are taking place and he knows that truly and surely God must be drawing nigh. Amen. That the coming of that day must be coming nigh. And he's doing everything he can do. It seems in this day, in this hour, that there's just been an outpouring of demonic spirits upon our land. Seems like in this day, in this hour, that people are captivated by drugs. You realize that if you study this out, and, and I didn't mean to preach, go so many different directions tonight, amen, but sometimes that's the way God works, amen, I can't help it. But do you realize tonight that these folks that are on drugs, that's a satanic tool? Drugs are a medium that Satan uses to captivate them with demonic powers. You may think your preacher's crazy, but if you'll study that out, that's biblical. And if you'll study out about, about how drugs started out and about how they're used, amen, you'll find that those Satanists, they use, those, they use certain drugs to be able to, to get into that spirit world. Amen? There's a lot in that tonight. But Satan is captivating these young people. He's getting them hooked on drugs. And when they get hooked on that stuff, they're getting hooked on more than they bargain for. Why can't they get off meth? It's more than the products that they make that stuff out of. 
Why can't they get off, uh, get off of alcohol? Why can't they get off of, of heroin? Why can't they get off of pills? Because there's something more attached to that than just the product that they're shooting up into their veins. There's something more than the product that goes down into their body. There's something more about it. And the, the people that are using it, they may not even realize it, but they are associating themselves with a demonic power. Amen. I know that's rough. I know that's hard for us to comprehend. I know we don't like to think about our loved ones as being in that shape, but that's the truth of the matter. And according to the scripture tonight, whether you believe this or not, when you were lost and undone, you probably had a demon inside of you. Amen? Now, the Bible speaks over about that one fellow had a legion of angels. Some of you probably had a legion. And I'm saying that respectfully tonight. Some of you may have had one or two. Amen? Some of you had more than that. But the Bible speaks over there about that, the man that cleaned up his house. Amen? That alludes to the fact that every single one of us probably had some kind of demon. Amen? But aren't you glad when God moves in, Satan has to move out? Amen. You read about that Syrophoenician woman over there in the Word of God? What was wrong with her daughter? She had a devil in her. But what happened when Jesus stepped in? That woman said, the devil's gone. I'm glad when Jesus stepped into our life, I'm glad the devil and the demons of hell have to flee out of our life. Amen. I'm getting some looks. Now, some of you don't think you had a demon, but you did. Amen. Amen. Your husband and wife probably say amen. Praise God. That's the truth. Satan hates us because he knows that his time is short and he's pouring out every big gun out of hell that he can. Captivating our people, captivating our country, captivating our young people because Satan hates us. But you know what? I done said it, done preached my message. The same reasons that Satan hates us, God loves us. Aren't you glad tonight that even though Satan may hate us from the, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, that Satan may hate us down to his very guts, I'm glad that God loves us with a love that abounds far more than Satan's hate ever thought about abounding. I'm glad God loved us enough to send his only begotten son to abound grace in our lives. That word sin abounded grace did much more abound. Aren't you glad over there is Ephesians chapter number 2 says in you at the quicken who were dead in trespasses and sin, who walked according to the course of this world, according to the principalities of the air. But he goes on down into verse 4 and he says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. And he goes on down into verse number 8 and he says, For by grace are you saved. I'm thankful tonight that I'm saved by the grace of God. I don't deserve to be here tonight. I should be in hell with my back broke as the old time preacher men said. I should be there tonight suffering with the rest of them but I'm glad that God's grace abounded in my life and God came to where I was hey Satan may be seeking whom he may devour but I'm glad the Holy Ghost is out seeking too and I'm glad he knows exactly where to find a lost sinner I'm glad he plunged into the depths of my sin and found me as I was and where I was and pointed me to the cross of Calvary and showed me a better way and I'm so thankful tonight uh, that God give me enough faith uh, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and I'm glad it ain't been the same sin 
sins. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Boy, it's good to be saved tonight and know that we may have an adversary. We may have a roaring lion. We may have one that's seeking to destroy our lives and to devour our lives. He may be seeking us and he may be trying his best to kill what we've got and to even kill our very own life and to maybe even destroy our own life. But I'm thankful tonight to know that I've got a God looking out for me. My friend that created that old rascal and his power far exceeds the power of Satan. I'm glad we serve a big God tonight. We serve a big God tonight, church. We serve a God that's able. We serve a God that can. We serve a God that has been, that will be, and that is right now in this very present time. When David reached down and got them five stones out of the brook before he went to fight Goliath, praise be unto God, he got more than he needed. Amen. I'm glad when we come to church and we, we try to live for God and we get in the Bible, I'm glad God gives us more than we need to fight the adversary ahead of us. If you're here tonight and you're struggling with that adversary, and I tell you tonight, you just need to reach down in the brook. Amen. You know what the brook is? That's the Word of God. And they get you some stones out of there and put them in your pouch and stand on them. Amen. David was ready. David was prepared because he'd been in the Word of God. He'd prepared himself, prepared his heart. There wasn't going to be no struggle when he got up there before Goliath. David stood there with full faith that what God had given him was sufficient. Tonight we, many times, in my life included, we become very easily discouraged and depressed. Amen? Because we think the world's closing in on us. We feel like Satan is overtaking us. We feel like we're not going to make it. But you know what? According to God's Word, we've got more than enough. We've got more than we need. God's given us more than enough to fight the giants in our life and to fight the adversary that's ahead of us. Church, I felt led to preach this message tonight. I felt led to preach this because we're going into revival. We're going into the tent meeting. And if Satan ever fights his church, he'll fight when we start a tent meeting. He'll start when we he'll fight when we go into revival. He'll fight when God is fixing to do something. And he will fight when there's a lot at stake. If this church never done anything, if we just come three times a week, preach you a little five-minute sermon, we sung a song to, went to the house, everybody's happy when they left, good to go, amen. If, we, if that's all this church done, Satan will be tickled to death of us. But Satan don't like it when we went out last night visiting through the community. Satan don't like it when we gather down there downtown and we gather under that pavilion and people know what we're doing. They know, praise God, we may not even have to say one word. When they get them gravy and biscuits, they know what them gravy and biscuits are for. <laughs> Amen. You can't convince me otherwise, praise God. I see the look on their face. They know what them gravy and biscuits are for. And it ain't to fill them up, Amen, on a Saturday morning. They realize that we love the Lord. And they realize why we're doing that. Satan hates that. And friend, because of all that we do, and God's blessed this church tremendously, God's done amazing things, God answered prayer. Because of all the things that God has done, Satan's going to fight us maybe a little more than he does somebody else. Amen, church? So we've got to be ready. Peter said, be sober and be vigilant. That's pretty simple, ain't it? What's it mean to be sober, church? And I'll, I'll give you these two things. We'll close. 
To be sober means you're in your right mind. Clear. Clearly thinking. Tonight I find that the drunkenness in most church folks' lives does not come from alcohol. It does not come from a drug. It comes from pleasures of this world. Amen? Yours is probably different than mine. But we've all got things that if we're not careful can intoxicate us and keep us from being sober and being able to clearly see what the big picture is. It's important for us sometimes just to take a step back from our life and look at the big picture and look at what God wants out of us and what the end of our life, what's it going to matter? If we're doing something and we look at the end of our life, we say this ain't going to amount to nothing. Well, you know what that's called? That's called wasting time. Amen. Be sober. Be clear-minded. Be vigilant. Vigilant means we just need to get with it. Amen. You understand that? Some of you didn't understand. We need to get with it. I know we're a busy church. Thank God for that. I appreciate that. You know what? When I go home late at night and have to get up early in the morning, God gives us the rest we need. Ain't that amazing how God does that? And, and, and it's amazing how when we see something take place, them nights that we might have got just a little bit of sleep, not as much as we needed, them nights that we didn't get to do what we wanted to do. You know what? When we see somebody get saved because we've done what God wants us to do, we, don't, we forget about all that. And it's worth it. It's worth it to see God save somebody. Worth it to see God work in somebody's life. Satan hates us, but God loves us. Satan hates you, but God loves you. Church, I love you tonight also. Would you stand tonight with me?